Hello, it's Alyssa Milano, and I can't wait for you to read my new book, Sorry Not Sorry. It's a collection of essays where I share my unapologetic thoughts on life, culture, activism, and motherhood. You'll learn some things about me that I know you've never heard before and share in my story as an activist. This book is such a big part of my heart, and so are you, and thank you for that. Sorry Not Sorry is available now everywhere books are sold. Hi, I'm Alyssa Milano, and this is Sorry Not Sorry. This is Ben Jackson. In addition to being partners on this podcast, Alyssa and I have been partners in our political and activism work for years. We decided we wanted to have a conversation before the midterm elections to discuss what you need to do to be an informed voter, including looking at important races, looking at ways you can improve your voter experience, and what to do if your voter experience is not going the way you wanted it to do. So sit back, listen, and be sure to vote on November 8th. Okay, let's get into it. We are very close to the midterm elections, and let's just have a conversation about what everyone should expect and just give everyone some sort of guidance because I think everyone is all over the place. Yeah, and it's a little scary, right? I think that, you know, we're seeing a lot, especially from our side, if you're on our side of the aisle, a lot of media reports are looking pretty grim and the projections are getting scarier. You mean the side of democracy, right? Yeah, the side of democracy, but also the side of women and LGBTQ people and kids and people who like to read books. I think that's uh, that's all of us. Unfortunately, it seems like that is, at least in elected officials, trending more and more away from one party and more and more toward another. Let's get into the mechanics of it all. Election Day is on Tuesday, November 8th. I was just looking at this. One of the weird things about elections is that they're administered by states, right, as opposed to being administered by the federal government, even though there are federal things on there. So the rules about voting are different basically everywhere in the country. I vote in Massachusetts and where if you vote in California are probably going to be pretty different. And so it's really important for people who are voting to find out what their voting rules are in their state and have a plan to meet them. Because if you're in states like Wisconsin or Georgia or Mississippi or Kansas, Tennessee, Missouri, Indiana, there are some really intense voting ID laws in those states, right? Like in Missouri, if you don't present a voter ID when you go to the polls, you can fill out a provisional ballot, but they won't count it if you don't come back by seven o'clock that day with a voter ID. If you vote at six o'clock and they say your ID is not valid, you have an hour to figure out how to manage that. So knowing what those are now and making sure you have your plan to handle that is really important. And I think, for me at least, the most comprehensive website to check that all out is whenweallvote.org, a website where you type in your zip code. You can not only find out your polling place, you can find out all the rules and regulations, because sometimes there's early voting, sometimes there's Dropbox differences and changes. Sometimes you get purged from the polls and you don't, you might not even be registered anymore. These are all really important things and you should never wait this late. 
But there are also, and I think this is important to say, 22 states plus Washington, D.C. that have same-day voting registration. So that means if you're not registered, you could show up and say, I'm not registered. I want to not only register to vote, but also vote today. Yeah. The other thing that you should do is if you believe that you are registered and the state says you are not for whatever reason, you've been purged from the voting rolls, you should still go and demand a provisional ballot. Force them to take your vote. Will you just explain provisional ballot to people? Yeah. So a provisional ballot is something that it is a ballot. It has all of the questions and all of the elections that are happening on a regular ballot. But it is only counted if it is proven to be a valid ballot. And whether that's an issue of your voter registration status, of your voter ID status, of your eligibility to vote in that jurisdiction, you are still able to fill that out and have a vote ready so that you can then prove your eligibility by whatever those rules in that particular state are. But it means that you can go and you can cast a ballot. And if you can either fix the problem in time or prove that the state has made a mistake in creating that problem, your ballot will be counted. I also just want to touch on, because it is extremely important, that you know your rights as a voter. And that is regulated by the federal government. So even though the states make the voting rules up for that specific state, there are federal laws in place that protect you as a voter. And voter intimidation is a real thing, as we have seen in Arizona. There is a now a restraining order against a vigilante group that showed up to intimidate voters. And so you need to report to the federal government if you are being bullied or just made to feel uncomfortable or you feel like your voting rights have been inhibited in any way. And you could do so by calling. There is a hotline number for the ACLU where you could report such intimidation tactics, and that's 866-OUR-VOTE. And you can also find your voting rights at ACLU.org. And another thing to know is that several states, starting in 2020, have begun prohibiting guns at polling places, which is something that you think would be a federal law, but it isn't. And among those states, in some cases in the past, people have been prohibited from having a sticker with their candidate's name on it, but allowed to carry a gun into a polling place. I mean, how wild is that electioneering is prohibited, but guns are not? But in some states, they are. So in 2020, California, Georgia, Florida, Arizona, Texas, states you wouldn't imagine have these laws actually banned both open and concealed carry at the polling places. Virginia joined that in 2021, as several other states banned concealed carry. So if you see somebody with a gun at your polling place and you feel intimidated, or if you are in one of those states, notify law enforcement right away. Because that's part of what's happening in Arizona, where it is in fact illegal to have a gun at a polling place. And you see these vigilante groups intimidating voters, right? And that's what they want. They want you to feel afraid and they want to stop you from voting because of it. And people who carry guns to polling places are doing that to make that kind of statement. You can prevent that and you shouldn't be afraid to vote because somebody is armed there. So the Georgia state laws, did the guns get outlawed at polling locations at the same uh, I'm Yeah, right? Like, <laughs> you'd think that, I mean, at least they gave you a binary there. For those that don't know, there was a law passed in Georgia where you cannot hand out water to people who are in line to vote. It is now against the law to hand out water to people who are in line 
who most of the time have been in line for many hours because gerrymandering and they've closed so many polling places. Hundreds and hundreds of them. And in very specific districts and very specific precincts, they have been closing polling places where black and brown people vote. It is against the law to hand out water. So if you're feeling like getting into good trouble and feel like you can make a statement, a protest statement by getting arrested for voting rights, I would suggest that you go to Georgia and hand out some water because how can they arrest you for hydrating people? Right. I'd like to see them try and see how that goes. I think that that would be a great test case to try and invalidate those laws. But in the meantime, if you're in Georgia and you think you might be in line for a while, bring some water with you. Obviously, Kemp running against Stacey Abrams, which is a great segue into the governorships that we are seeing. Yeah. And I will say one thing that's really cool about the Kemp-Stacey Abrams race is that this has been projected to be a fairly easy win for Brian Kemp for the last several months, that he's been pulling ahead several times. But what's happening in Georgia right now is that the early vote is so far ahead of what the 2018 midterms were, that it's looking like a presidential year. And you'll remember what happened in Georgia in 2020, where Joe Biden won and Raphael Warnock won. And that early vote seems to be coming from people who are more likely to vote Democrat. And so I'm really curious to see how that shapes up at the end of the day in Georgia. I think early voting is the way of the future because so many polling places have been closed down in marginalized communities that, you know, people who can't afford to take off work on election day are going to start to vote early because they can go at their own time and they don't have to worry about not having water for four hours while they're in line to vote. And, you know, I think this might be one of the few long-term positive outcomes of COVID is that states provided a lot of additional ways to vote. They either did vote by mail or they provided unextended early voting in-person periods. And they found that they made the voting process both more accessible and more manageable for the precincts to handle. And that may be something that becomes a permanent part of voting. I hope it does. I think governorships seems to be a really generally like one of the bright spots for Democrats, but we have to turn out. We do. The one that I'm worried about a little bit is Tony Evers in Wisconsin, who he's up against a full on Trumper and person who questions the outcome of the election in 2020, who refuses to state, you know, who won. He is he's not a great candidate. And Tony Evers, the governor there, is a really good progressive governor. And Wisconsin is one of those states that is so important, not only this year, but control of the legislature and control of the executive in that state will have implications for the entire country when it comes to presidential elections. Because if you remember, they had a legislature, the Republicans in the legislature who wanted to send different electors um, and overturn the will of the people in 2020. And if they have power led by a governor who is an election desire, we could be in real trouble across the whole country when we have another, if we have another close election like 2020. 
And if people want to get involved in that race and volunteer, they can go to wisdems.org, wisconsindems.org, wisdems.org. It is going to be very important. Let's move on to Pennsylvania. We have Josh Shapiro, who is a dear friend of mine, as well as his sweet daughter, Sophia, versus Doug Mastriano, who is basically exactly falls right into the extremist Republican ideology, right? He hates the separation of church and state. He was there on January 6th. He won't say whether or not he went, or I think he denies that he went into the Capitol but he was there at the point. He previously said that all women who get abortions should be tried for murder. He is about as far as an extremist as you can get. And the other side of that, though, is that, you know, we're talking about the extremism, but Josh is such a good candidate. Like, no matter who he was running against, Josh would be the person to vote for in Pennsylvania. Right. And let's just break down why that is. He will defend Pennsylvanians' fundamental freedoms, the freedom to choose, the freedom to marry who you love, and the freedom to vote and have your vote counted. And also, let's just talk about the fact that Mastriano has made totally anti-Semitic comments about Josh Shapiro. Yeah. And how dangerous is that? Like right now, how dangerous is that? We're recording this on the fourth anniversary of the Tree of Life synagogue shooting, which happened in Pittsburgh, in the state that Mastriano wants to govern, and he's making these comments. Obviously, we are endorsing Josh Shapiro for governor, but I also just want to take a a moment and talk about Fetterman and the con man, Dr. Oz, in that Senate race. And, you know, Fetterman will continue to get healthier and healthier, and Dr. Oz will just still be a con man. He's shown us who he is. He's been a huckster pushing bogus products for money, which is the exact opposite of what a healer should be. Somebody who is concerned about people. It's a con. He has no business being anywhere near office. And I think also we have seen what happens when we elect people who have no previous experience or interest in governing or politics. Or community organizing or activism or anything. He's shown no social interest at all over a very public career for a very long time. Before we move on, let's just direct people. You can go to padems.com if you want to get involved with any of the text or phone banks that are going on for the governorship with Josh Shapiro or the Senate position with Fetterman. I want to move on to Michigan, which I'm concerned about because Gretchen Whitmer is an incredible leader. She is an incredible person, just amazing. I can't say enough great things about her. I traveled with her on her bus when she was running, and I was just blown away by this woman, this person. And so I'm concerned because I feel like she scares Republican extremists so much that they tried to kidnap her. Three more of those people were convicted in the past week. Let's talk a little bit about her opponent and why this is a scary race. Yeah, so Tudor Dixon was one of the extreme right-wing media personalities. This is her her bona fides. She's a right-wing former newscaster, right? And she is, again, someone who is trying to take away the right of women to have access to their own body. That is her thing. She wants to overturn abortion. And on the ballot in Michigan right now is a constitutional amendment to protect abortion rights. Which looks like, by the way, it's going to pass. That looks like it's got a really good shot of passing if people turn out. That will constitutionalize in the state access to abortion no matter what happens. And she 
would run trying to overturn that. That would be her work would be to overturn the will of the people. Um, she is an election denier. She's one of the first people Trump endorsed for a governorship. She is right in that pocket of the extremists who will undermine our democracy. And what's more with that is that if she were to have a Republican state legislature with her, which is what Michigan has had, again, Michigan is a bellwether state and a swing state in our federal elections. And again, if we have a situation where where it's close and the Republicans decide that they don't want to abide by the will of the people, they will have the ability to do that with a Republican state legislature and Tudor Dixon in their governor's mansion. And there are two other really important races that are going on there. Jocelyn Benson for Secretary of State and Dana Nessel. All three of these women are just defenders of democracy. And if people turn out, they will each be reelected. So if you want to get involved in Michigan, go to michigandems.com to see all the opportunities that you can get involved. Um, Arizona. Ugh. This has swung badly in the last week or so. And it's not insurmountable. It's not a done deal. But a Carrie Lake came from behind, far behind, to be pulling about one point ahead right now. And that's bad enough because she is a full-on election denier, conspiracy theorist, anti-LGBTQ advocate. She's everything that you don't want in government. But with her rise, she is taking up other people in the state who are like her. So Mark Kelly's race has tightened a lot, which is a Senate problem. We've seen the Secretary of State race there, which again is could be somebody who we have an election denier overseeing elections in that state if this trend continues. So Arizona Democrats really need to turn out and they really need our help. All of these states impact beyond their borders in so many ways. And in a time of rising anti-Semitic hate, I just, there is no room to elect someone who would support this kind of hate. She's that conspiracy theorist that pushes anti-Semitic tropes, tying the Democrats to George Soros and Mike Bloomberg. So we can't have someone that is a supporter of any kind of hate, but also one that is an election denier. When we are grasping at trying to keep our democracy together, we have to elect defenders of democracy. And by the way, that's for either party. I'm not saying that because I'm a Democrat and most, you know, defenders of democracy right now are Democrats with the exception of a handful. Yeah. And I'll say you're working with Adam Kinzinger across the aisle specifically to do that, to have some nonpartisan work fundraising for slates of candidates who have proven that they're willing to stand up for democracy, that this goes beyond what our party is, what other principles might be, and that if you can't agree on the very fundamental principle that elections and their outcomes matter and need to be respected, then you have no other valid opinions. I think you sent me that article the other day about the polling that are, that's that, about the election polling. I'll just read the headline and people can look it up. It's on 538, which is a forecast website that is usually pretty on top of it as far as getting things right. And the headline is most candidates who think 2020 was rigged are probably going to win in November. Most of the people who have been nominated for office that say the election was rigged are going to win. Where do we go from there? Uh, we go to the voting booth. That's what we have to do. Or New Zealand? Right. I love New Zealand. 
Italy's <laughs> off the table now. But Italy's off the table now. Our options are getting more and more uh, small, which is why we have to stay here and fight and get out the vote and get as many people as possible to the polls. We talked about the Senate race in Pennsylvania. I want to talk about the Senate race in <laughs> in Georgia. Oh. <laughs> I don't even, I can't even believe we have to talk about the Senate race in Georgia and how this is not just a complete you know, how we're not reelecting the great Raphael Warnock, but the fact that Herschel Walker is even close to being in the Senate. He said that China is stealing our good air and sending their bad air to us. Like he actually believes there's just this good air, bad air exchange. Beyond all of that, a second person has come forward saying that this guy who's running on an anti-abortion platform has paid for them to have an abortion. So this is now the second person who has come forward to say this about this man. Hypocrite. But beyond all of that, like he has no understanding of basic concepts of governance, but also, I don't know, math, science, anything. We talked about this earlier in a podcast with Andy Borowitz, and I will just say the basic qualification other than protecting democracy that I have for a candidate is that they have to be smarter than me. And Herschel Walker is not a smart man. No, he's just not a smart man. Yeah. And Raphael Warnock. is brilliant. And he has proven himself. He's proven himself. He's been there. You know what you're getting. You're getting a strong, capable, and intelligent leader. But again, there's some hope here because the Georgia turnout is huge in the early vote. And I am very hopeful that this could sway a number of races there. And I do think Raphael Warnock is in a good shape to hang on to a seat if people get their votes in. I think that he has proven himself and that Georgia has seen that and that Georgia is evolving beyond some of the horrible things that are holding voters back in that state. So I hope that we can move that. But I do think he will win that if people turn up. The website to get involved there is georgiademocrat.org. So please check out how you can help by checking out that website. Let's talk about the House. Yeah, the House is bad. Here's the thing is that if Kevin McCarthy becomes Speaker, by the way, Kevin McCarthy has a history of sending out those same anti-Semitic memes that we have seen. This is not an aberration. This is part of who he is and who that party is. It is part of the identity, and they think that is a winning strategy for them. But if he becomes speaker, the ability for us to progress anywhere in the next two years is gone. He will also gut the January 6th committee. They may bring up Benghazi again. I suspect that if they take the House that they will try to impeach President Biden just as vengeance for impeaching the very impeachable President Trump, right? That they will completely manipulate and misuse the power that they get should they take the House. I'm very concerned with that, but I'm also really concerned with the Marjorie Taylor Greens of it all. I just can't believe that 
this is a reality. I cannot believe that there are people like Marjorie Taylor Greene who could potentially be back on committees. It's, I can't, it's unfathomable to me, let alone that she's even a part of our house. Just the fact that she was elected is crazy to me. But also, what does that mean for other QAnon candidates? I just feel like the more conspiracy theorist extremists that are running under the the umbrella of the Republican Party, which, of course, the Republican Party has embraced, that there's no way we're going to get out of this, meaning the state of the country and where we are right now. Yeah. The reality is that we have to be prepared for the fact that the Republicans are going to win the House. I'm not going there with you. You and I are going to disagree on this. First of all, I'm not saying it's a foregone conclusion, but I say the deck is stacked a little bit for us. And I hope that our turnout can beat this. I hope the reality of the situation over the next week before Election Day will motivate a huge number of voters to turn out and realize it's time. Ignore the polls. Let's go and do that. But I do want to say that if it doesn't go our way, fight isn't over. We are immediately in for the next election. This election matters. The next election matters. It's not a done deal if we lose this one. But I am going to just put all my faith in the women of this country, the men who have a uterus, that they will once again save democracy and come out in droves and really make a statement and just deny and just stop where we are headed. I am right there with you. I believe 100% that it can be. And I want with all my heart for it to be. So let's make that happen. Okay. Let's all will that to happen. Let's all light our candles and say our prayers or our spells and make that happen. So let's just with an overview and um, I want to be real specific about the fact that Every single vote counts. What's going on in voter intimidation throughout the country it will continue to go on. That's why you must be aware of your rights, protect your vote in any way that you can. Again, go to When We All Vote, find out all the details in your state. And I just think we really need to remember what's at stake here. And maybe we should just go through what's at stake. Women's right to bodily autonomy. The Supreme Court, which we didn't even touch on that, but that's a whole other... Mitch McConnell, if getting in back in the Senate, if that were to happen, can you imagine? No matter what happens, no one else will be appointed for the next two years. LGBTQ rights, the right for children to be who they identify as. The fact that we're even having this conversation that at a federal level, we're saying kids can't express themselves as they are is just like mind boggling. And also on a state level, we can complain a lot about our educational system in this country, but we do need to vote because on the ballot are school boards and town governments that really make a difference. They make a difference in our schools. They make a difference in our police forces, in our communities, everything. Yeah. And I think for everybody, the most important election in the country for them is the election in their own precinct. Like I live in Massachusetts. We're going to win. Um, Maura Healy is going to be a fantastic governor. She's going to win by a landslide here. That does not mean that we don't get as Democrats to go out and vote because there are, in my town, we had a person who stormed the Capitol and was arrested and charged on the Republican town committee in our town, on our town meeting as part of our town governance in liberal Massachusetts, right? Everywhere in the country, this is a thing. And even if you think you are safe, or if you think your vote doesn't make a difference, 
it makes a difference in your town. And you can, if you don't know what party they are, if you don't know what they're voting for, you can look up, you can't look up their voting history, but you can look up their party registration. It's public information. You can find out about those candidates and when, who they support, and you can make your decisions accordingly. And the other thing you can do is you can write yourself in if you can't find a candidate to support. You can ask other people to write you in and you can serve. Sometimes in a town, five votes will get you on a school board. The economy is at stake. We cannot allow for the rich to continue to get more wealthy while people are struggling to put food on the table and children are going to bed hungry in this country. And you know for sure the Republicans don't have a plan. They don't have a single plan that's going to help people with inflation, that's going to help people with money in their pockets, unless they're already rich. Yeah, their only plan is to continue to be on the side of corporations and billionaires. And that is another reason that it is really just vital that we get out there, vote to protect each other. The soul of democracy, I know it sounds like hyperbole. I wish that we didn't use the terminology that our democracy was at stake for the last six years, even though it was true, because it's never been more true than right now. And I feel like people are numb to those words now. And we can't be. We can't take for granted that it's just going to work itself out. Yeah, we don't have the luxury of disbelief. Now we can't, we don't have it. We can't do it. The other thing that is at stake is election integrity and your right to vote and to have your vote count. We just cannot elect big lie supporters. It just, it will be the nail in our coffin. Yeah, no, I agree. And there's nothing that defines the status of American citizenship is to be able to cast your vote and have it count, right? That's the defining thing is that everything we do, we are a democracy, our votes count. We decide who our leaders are. They don't decide who they are. And when that right is gone, like we, we no longer have a national identity. Well, Ben Jackson, tell people where they can find you. Well, you can find me right on the Sorry Not Sorry podcast here and doing the work that we always do. But what are your Twitter handles? Oh, on Twitter. I am on Twitter and uh, most of the rest of the web as B. Jackson writes. Thank you so much for your insight, your expertise, and your dedication to not only me and this podcast, but to our country and democracy. Same. Can't do it without you. vote. Bring everyone you know and vote. This is one of the most important responsibilities we have as Americans, and if too few of us turn up, we might not have a democracy much longer. Sorry Not Sorry is executive produced by Alyssa Milano. That's me. Our producer is Ben Jackson, audio editing and engineering by Maciej Lewandowski, and music by Josh Cook, Alicia Eagle, and Milo Bulliari. Don't forget to rate, review, and spread the word. Sorry, not sorry.